Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. All right. Well, like I said, it's been good so far. Amen. Um, if this is your first time here, my name is not Pastor Aaron Morgan. Um, no, we're so blessed with an amazing pastor. Pastor Aaron and Diane are away. It's crazy, but they are celebrating their daughter Cass's 18th birthday, which is just incredibly weird to think of. <laughs> I think she was, what, three when they moved here? And uh, now they're away celebrating her 18th birthday, which is just awesome that they have a week away. And uh, next week, um, he will be ending the series, Faith Works, and the title of next week is Why Faith Accelerates. It's going to be amazing. It's been an awesome series so far, and in his opinion, it's been the best yet. Um, so that's until the next one's announced. So, um, and then it will be the best yet. But it's been really incredible. Um, you know, when, when I'm asked to speak, it, it always comes with a weight. And I think I'm going to start telling Pastor Aaron, hey, listen, if you know there's a week coming up that you want me to speak, maybe do a little bit like a couple subpar messages before I get up there and speak, because it would make me feel a whole lot better about myself. Um, because every week he just delivers, man. He is, um, it's just an amazing rich word, and um, I, I'm honored that they would trust me to fill this, this, uh, this pulpit today. And, um, I believe we have an, an amazing word to share with you today, and uh, like I said, I believe your life will be changed. Um, let's, uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Ephesians 2.10. If not, it'll be up on the screen. These are great reminders. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For what kind of works? Good works, which God prepared when? beforehand, that we should walk in them. Ephesians 4.16 says this, from him the whole body, this is the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint, what? Supplies. You have a supply today. We'll get into that. When each part is working properly, it causes the whole body to grow and mature building itself up in unselfish love. You are a supply. There is a supply that God has gifted you before you were ever created, before you were ever born, before the, the, the creation ever began. He had you in mind for a specific task, for a specific reason to bring a specific supply. The title of the message today is Releasing the Supply Chain. Releasing the Supply Chain. You know, in our culture today, in our economy today, our, there's a lot of conversations about the supply chain. And the supply chain is backed up. Actually, there's a picture I want to share with you. Um, this is currently what it looks like um, in California at one of the ports that's a supply chain that has no rhythm, no flow. If you've ordered furniture, you're probably looking at it. 
If something's on back order, it's probably in a steel container somewhere in that shipping yard. Why? Because there's no, there's no one to go get it. It's here or it's being shipped, but there's a supply chain shortage. Something in the supply chain is broken. It's arrived to the port, but it hasn't made its way to the destination to be useful. There's a supply that's backed up, and sometimes I wonder if that's the picture that God sees when he looks at the local church. When he looks at LifePoint, does he see a port full of potential, of supplies that he's ordered to make an impact in the world today that's just sitting stagnant, dormant, not been released? You see, the problem is, is there's no flow. It's backed up. And when it's backed up, what happens? It means there's a lot of junk in the way that you need to clear up. There's a couple things in the process that need to be removed in order for a healthy flow. This making sense? You know, we, we hear about it a lot, the supply chain. And I think it would be pretty fair to say that that could be me or you. What are the things that God has purposed and called you to? The talents, the abilities that maybe you're just sitting dormant in the corner of your heart, in your life. Are you being faithful with those things? I wanna, we're going to go through some points here real quick. Point number one, I want you to write this down, is so. This is releasing the financial flow. Now, a lot of you guys are probably, oh my goodness, we're going to talk about giving. Yeah, we're going to talk about giving. We'll have the host stand by the doors, lock the doors. No one's going to get up and leave. <laughs> but there is a financial flow. If we want to see a release of the supply chain in the local body, in the church as we know it, there's a few different flows that we have to release. First one is sowing. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, if I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. You see, there's a task on our part. What is that? It's to bring all of our tithes, what's that, the 10%, into the storehouse, which is the church. Why? So that there may be food in my house. Has anybody ever come and got filled up in the house of God? Right? That's where we come. That's where we're fed. That's where we're motivated. That's where we're discipled. That's where we're developed. Come and bring your tithes, and then what happens? A flow was released. Actually, he says, test me in this. Above everything, test me in this, that I won't open up, I won't bring a flow from heaven into your life. Test me in it, that I will give you so much more that you won't have room for it. There's a financial flow that's being held up by our willingness to give. Do you find yourself in a financial crisis today? When you pull up to the gas pumps, are you thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to get food or am I going to get gas? What, 
It's crazy. But do you know in the life of a tithing, giving believer that you can walk up and fill your gas tank up and say, you know what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every need is supplied. You are more than enough. You've never seen your children beg for bread. Because why? You've released your supply so he can release his. I said earlier when we were taking and uh, receiving offering, don't just wave by to it. Sometimes we get in the, in the place where we, oh, we give. Oh, we grieve that giving almost. Oh, it's hard. But he's looking for us to be happy, glad to do it. I'm going to ask Pastor Mitch to come up here. I'm going to put him on the spot. Yeah, aren't you grateful for Pastor Mitch? One of my best, my best bros. I know he would do anything. And honestly, this is a little plug, but that last song we just sang, So Good, is a brand new one that he just wrote. Um, incredible. Amazing. What a gift you are. But I have a question. Do you have $20, 20 bucks that I could borrow? You do? Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. There's 20 bucks. That was pretty easy. You have any more I could have? No, I'm kidding. Now, did that, did that hurt you to give that to me? Are you waving goodbye to it? Are you mourning and grieving the loss of this? No. I gave this to him. Before service started, and I said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in your hand, but I want, you to, I want you to be open to something. I didn't tell him what was going to happen. Isn't it the same way when we give? Now, he didn't, he didn't grieve that because it wasn't his in the beginning. He didn't wave goodbye to it because it never belonged to him. I told him, hey, hold on to this. Now, if he would have come up and I would have said, hey, you got $20 I could borrow? No, man. <laughs> I'd have been like, bro, you got $20. <laughs> I'm about to take it out on you. No. But how often, how often do we do that to God? You can have a seat. Thank you. How often do we do that? He wasn't grieving it. He wasn't waving goodbye to it because it was in his hands to give right back to me. And many times with what God's put in our hands, we claim it as our own. I'm going to put this in my pocket now. We claim it as our own and we grieve the fact. Giving, why do I have to give? Why do I have to sow into a church? Why are they asking for my money? They're not asking for your money. We're not asking for your money. We're asking you to be a good steward with what money God has already given you. The blessing, listen, where else are you going to go that God's going to put something in your hand, someone would put something in your hand, and all you had to do was give it back to them to receive more? Where else are you going to go that a principle, a fact of the matter is that if I give you money, or if you give me money and I give it back to you, I get more? Good luck. But in the word, why do we struggle with this? 
Why do we struggle with giving? Because it says in Timothy that the love of that money is the root of all evil. It's not evil to have money. Just understand that. You've learned that here by now. It is not evil to be blessed. It is not wrong to be blessed. But the love of that is the root of all other evils in your life. When really, listen, listen to this, Matthew 6.21 says, For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you're giving to, whatever you're investing in, whatever you're buying, the most of, I can, I can know a lot by somebody if they just show me what, take me to your house, show me. I've been to, to places, my brother-in-law is a perfect example of this. Like, the dude buys guns, he's probably got 400 guns sitting in three different safes. I know what he's passionate about, and I know I'm never going to mess with him. <laughs> but I know what he's passionate about. He's got guns I didn't even know existed, but that's what he's passionate about. That's where his heart is. When, when it gets in your heart, when the love of that money gets in your heart, you're loving that thing. And from there, your supply will run dry. From that place of love and not being open-handed and willing to say, God, I'm going to follow this flow that if I give to your house, you will open up for me a flow of blessing. The love of that is what makes you grieve it. But if we change our disposition, if we change our perspective, if we change the way we think of it, it wasn't mine in the beginning. And really, you're not giving anything. You're returning. You're not giving anything. It, it's not waving your money. Oh, bless God, look how much I'm giving today. No, you're returning it to him. You're doing the right thing. The honest thing. Now, your offerings above and beyond that. That's different. That's up to you. That's as the Lord leads you. But your tithe and your offering, or your tithe is not giving, it's returning. And I love this. Releasing your supply will allow him to release his. There is an action. You can't walk around saying, bless God, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm believing for that overflow. It's going to overflow out of my lap kind of blessing. And not give. You, you can't have it. That's a fairy tale. That's ridiculous thinking. Walk around and blame God. Well, you told me you were going to bless me. Yeah, but there's a, there's a duty on our part. There's a call on our part. There's something on our part that we have to release in order to get. So number one, so is releasing the financial flow. Number two, seek. Releasing the favor flow. And some of you guys might be like, what, what is favor? It's God's goodness. Releasing the goodness of God in your life. How do you do that? You seek. Matthew 6.33 just lays this out perfect. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So when we seek, what happens? Things are added, right? When we seek, things are added unto us. What's added? Your need. Your wants. Your desires. 
Well, Pastor Shane, how can you say that our needs and our wants and our desires are all bundled up? As long as I seek, I get everything I want. Because if you're truly seeking God, then your wants become his wants. Then your desires become his desires. I'm not seeking anything out of the realm of what God wants for my life if I'm truly seeking him. What's amazing is that we can find multiple times in scriptures where it says, seek and you will what? Find. Seek and you will find. This is talking about us seeking the Father. Seek and you're going to find me every time. In John, one of my favorite scriptures is the Father is going around and he seeks worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. That day is here when, when our Father, Father God, is seeking a people to worship him. And you've heard me say this before. If in scripture, every time we seek him, we find him, what does he find when he's seeking us? What's he finding? Because he's in active pursuit of you. He is seeking you. What's he finding? Does it look like the supply chain's a little bit backed up? Does it look like my financial flow is a little bit backed up? We're to seek him. When we seek him, when we seek him in his kingdom, it says everything else will be added. Are you believing God for something today? Yeah. We all are. We all have varied needs in this house today. I'm sure if we went around, we wouldn't get through a quarter of the things that we're believing God for. But yet, we're too busy to seek him. And day after day, we wake up. Oh, is it going to happen today? Are you going to come through God today? And God's just like, bro, have you seen the flow of your seeking? Have you seen the flow of your financial giving? Have you seen the backup in your heart of the supply chain of my kingdom for your life? What unlocks it? It's seeking him above everything else. Seeking him above the promotion. Sometimes we seek the byproduct of who God is. And then get angry at God himself when we don't see it. For instance, do you need healing today? How many are seeking healing? Let me debunk this. Seek the healer. Seek the healer. How many are seeking financial provision? Seek the provider. We are seeking the byproducts of the character of God himself and then blaming God, well, you didn't come through. Well, you're, you're seeking what I can do, but you're not seeking me. You're seeking of everything that I've promised you when you seek me. But you're missing the step of seeking me first and then everything added. You're seeking the added and then hoping that my kingdom will come in your life. We're seeking the byproduct of who God is himself. Seek who he is. Seek the kingdom, which is who he is. And then all these things will be added. And then all these things will be added. How do you release the favor flow in your life? How do you release the goodness of God? It's submitting. That's a word we don't like to hear. Submit. Just submit. Submit to him and his plan, not your own. You want to know the number one way to frustrate this? 
The number one way to frustrate your seeking is to try to surf in the favor flow of somebody else's calling. That's the number one way that will frustrate your pursuit of God is when you compare your pursuit to somebody else's pursuit. Comparison leads to discouragement. It is a one-way shortcut to discouragement. When you say, oh, I just, I would, I would really like to do what that person's doing. Man, God, why don't you call me to do this? Why wouldn't you call me to do that? It's comparison. I'm telling you, you will be offended, bitter, all the time. You will not have breakthrough in your life when you spend all of your time comparing your gift and your call and your seeking and what God's doing for somebody else compared to what he's doing for you. You will never break through to, to finding exactly what his kingdom come in your life looks like. You won't. And this is a struggle we all have because I think if we asked each other, hey, do you want to be used by God? Absolutely. Do you want to know exactly what God has for your life? Absolutely. But yet we come in church, or we go to work, or we're at the store, or we're driving down the road and we're comparing what we're driving by what that person's driving. We're, prepare, we're, we're, we're comparing what's in our cart at the grocery store compared to whatever everybody else has in their cart in the grocery store. We're comparing a full tank of gas to just, I could get a quarter of a tank this week. You're comparing your gift and your call for the supply that you are supposed to bring in this house to what someone's doing on a platform. It's comparison, and it will rob you of the true call of God in your life. Point one is so, releasing the financial supply. Point two, seek, releasing the favor flow or the goodness of God. Point three is this, <clears throat> is to serve. Serve. And this is releasing the freedom flow. Releasing the freedom flow is serving. Philippians 2, 6, and 7 says this. And as I'm reading this, I want you to guess who this is talking about. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of what? A servant. Being made in human likeness. Who do you think this is talking about? It's Jesus, right? Sometimes we think of Jesus, the Savior of the world. He didn't come into this world as some rock star, some amazing, talented deity that was untouchable. He didn't come saying, hey, look at me. He came in the form of a servant, taking on the form of a human. He became human form, but he was the king of the world because he understood, I'm not here for myself. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. When we serve, we are free to be all that God has called us to be. What also happens is it allows the church to do all that God has called it to do. Can you imagine if all of us were serving? If all of us were serving. If every single one of us today, not including the people that are watching online, 
although you're important. And just the people in here, if we, each and every one of us were serving, can you imagine what the church would be able to do? Do you know this is, this is not, the church was never designed to be a church on blocks, so to speak. Have you ever seen when someone robbed, like stole tires from a car and they set them on blocks and it's just the body of the car just sitting there? It's like the engine's amazing. What a strong, maybe a brand new car, but it's worthless. It's value, valueless. It has no benefit, no meaning, no purpose. Why? Because it's on blocks. We were never meant to be a church on blocks. We were never meant to come and have an assigned seat in the church building and just be consumers. We were meant to add a supply. We were meant to bring a supply. And it allows you to be everything that God has called you to be. To be free to be everything God has called you to be. And it allows the church to be free to do everything God has called it to do. It takes a servant's heart to do what God has created for you. Are you, are you looking? Are you still trying to figure out exactly what you're called to do? Are you still trying to pursue the call of God on your life? I think sometimes we look at the call of God on our life as a destination. Oh, if I could only find, if I could only find out what it is. How many have been on vacation and when you're on the way, it's just like, let's get there. Let's go. Let's get there. Vacation starts when we get there, not on the way there. That's how we look at this call of God on our life is just get me there. I just want to know what it is. Well, you know how you find it? Take on the form of a servant. You know how you find the purpose of God in your life, for your life, through your life? Is you start serving. Well, I just don't know where to serve. Well, serve. Find somewhere and serve. If you don't like it, we'll move you around. Just find somewhere and serve. That's your act of obedience. That's your act of taking a step forward towards something that God has for you is just serving. Take advantage, full advantage of every opportunity. And sometimes we get this so screwed up. Our prayer, and maybe your prayer today is, God, just use me. Use me. It's like that old song. If you could use anything, Lord, you can use me. Right? Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. People are like, what in the world are you singing? This is what I grew up on. If you could use any, okay. And we have that mentality. If you can use anything, God, you can use me. But the very moment that we get used in church, we go around saying, they're just using me. I just feel used. Uh, no, duh. That's what you prayed for. But you get people hurt and leaving church all the time because ah, they just use you. They just use you. Well, don't you want to be used? Yeah, but mm, they want me watching those kids. I don't want to watch those kids. Do you, do you want to be used? Yeah, but uh, I just don't. Yeah, I'll go somewhere else. I don't want to be used like that. God's answering a prayer, and there's a need open in the local church, but we get offended when it doesn't show up in the form of a rock star and an untouchable deity and recognition, here I am. Instead, we're given a towel and we're asked to walk around like this. How can I serve you? 
and we get upset and we leave. And the very thing we ask for is the very reason why we get upset and offended and leave. God wants to use you. He wants to do it through the means of the local church. But you'll never truly get it if you don't have the heart of a servant. You know, several years ago, this was several, several years ago, uh, when the worship team would get done playing, um, we would go downstairs in the old building. The children's ministry happened downstairs. And we would go down there and lead worship for the kids. And there was someone on our team that it was like every time you asked them, hey, come join us. No, nah, I'm just going to stay upstairs. Come join us. We're going to lead. We're going to lead for the kids. Nah, just... It was always a struggle. It was always like, what in the world? Like, you want it up here, but you're unwilling to do it for the children. Now, it never came out with this person what the whole reason was behind it. But as I was studying for this, it just the Lord just brought it back up to my, my, my memory of just the battle it was. And honestly, just how downright annoying sometimes it got. Like, we're all down there worshiping, and this person just, it was almost like it was, it was too little for them. It was too little. Talking about children's ministry, I will tell you, like, you know, learning scripture, reading the word, all of that stuff is, is awesome. Preparing a message, to me, it's got to be the equivalent of giving birth uh, to a child because, like, I am, like, Saturday night, I'm like, like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, why, God, why? Um, but it's, it's always fun to dive into Scripture, to learn and, and all that. But can I tell you, a lot of Scriptures that I know that I've learned, were learned in children's ministry. They weren't learned in school. They weren't taking a college course. They were learned in children's ministry. When we talk about being a servant, there's a song we always sing. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be to make me a servant. This is stuff that I learned in, in children's church. Talk about love. We would turn scriptures into songs. They made it fun. We actually learned scriptures back in the day. Like, we had memory verses. We did all that stuff. It was a blast. Talk about love. Love, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love, beloved. Let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I was like five years old, and I still remember that song. It's amazing. You don't have to, you really don't have to clap for that. <laughs> but that's something that I learned. And for anybody to say, that's too little for me. That's too little for me? Well, I can tell you, if you're too big for the little things, you'll always be too little for the big things. You'll always be too little for the big things. He called us to be servants, whether that's in the parking lot or the platform. If that's changing diapers 
or if that's on the altar team. If that's in children's church or if you're preaching a sermon. He's called us to be servants. Nothing is too little to grab a towel and to serve. First Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That scripture there tells me that we are all called to different things. You know, there's a story of a college collegiate pitcher who was a prospect to make it big. I mean, like a number one pick was going to make it big, make it to the majors. He had a little toe injury. A little toe injury that got surgically repaired the wrong way and it took him out of being drafted to play in the major leagues. A little toe. A little toe. And you sit here and think, oh, well, that's all in his arm. He's a pitcher. He's, he's throwing the ball. It's all about the strength of his arm. That didn't disqualify him. He had everything he needed in that area to be a good pitcher. But he didn't have the balance in a foot from the little toe to be able to throw the ball accurately when he pitched it. And we're sitting here complaining, it's not a platform ministry. I'm supposed to be doing this, and I believe God's called me to do that. Well, maybe he has, but maybe it starts with changing a diaper. Maybe you need to be a toe for a little bit. Right? I heard someone say, let me think about this. Um, Never mind, I can't think about it. (laughs) Something about, I'm glad my nose doesn't think it's a foot because feet run and nose is something. I can't think of what it was. My wife's saying, just don't. It means like, (laughs) oh, because feet are meant to run and noses are meant to smell with. If it was the opposite way, my nose would smell and my... No, my nose would run and my feet would smell. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) But think about that. Maybe your season is not to be the strong arm that everybody sees. Maybe your season is supposed to support that with being a good little toe. Right? I turned that back around. I'm happy that I was able to make sense of that. Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be what? We're called to be what? Free. All right. Say it like you mean it. We're called to be what? Free. Free. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serving is not a talent. Serving is not an anointing that someone has. Serving is a calling. Each and every one of us were called to serve. If you're trying to figure out the calling of God for your life, I know one. Serve. Serve. You were gifted with a talent to serve with it. And once again, just think of what we could do, what the church could do 
if everyone realized that they were called to serve. Now quickly, I want to go through just a few different battles that you're going to encounter once we choose to follow God. Now I want you to write these things down. Number one is my kingdom versus his kingdom. In your mind, you're going to think, okay, I have an opportunity to really make myself look good. I can use my gift to glorify myself, to bring attention on myself, or I could use it to glorify him and bring attention to him. James says this, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Which one of these, my kingdom or his kingdom, do you think could turn out to be the most prideful opportunity in your life? My kingdom, right? And a lot of times, we're walking around like that. Matthew, 6, Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice there's not a period after. Let your light shine so shine before men that they may see your good works. It doesn't stop there. Sometimes the example that we're given to others puts a period right there. So they may see your good works. Hey, look at, look at my talent. Look at my ability. Look at, what, look at what I can do. But it says everything that we do should point back to him. So others may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, or maybe if this is your first time ever in church, you, you probably have still heard this. It's a little thing called the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? How does that end? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But when we make it about my kingdom, when we make it about our kingdom, it now becomes our reputation, not his. When it's about our, king, our kingdom, we are now in charge of the supply. So that little Lord's Prayer could have an ultimate meeting. Oh, Shane, who art teaching at life point, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, for yours is the kingdom. How many times do we put ourselves in that place? When we say all the right things, but the posture of our heart is not that of a servant. It's that of a celebrity. It's that of someone that wants the attention for themselves. It's not a heart completely sold out and abandoned to God. It's one that says, watch my performance. Watch this. Hey, I'm the one that draws all men. You see the danger of that. And it says that he opposes. He opposes that spirit. He opposes that demeanor. He opposes that stand. When you take that stand, you know, we stand on the scripture, if God be for me, then who can be against me? Well, if you be for you, if you serve your own kingdom, if you do your own thing, there's someone that's against you. And it's not the people that you're running out of your lives because they, get, they want to throw up every time they're around you because you keep talking about your gift. It's God himself is against you. God opposes you. He supplied us, check this, 
He supplied you with a gift so you can return the gift back to him in the form of a supply. He supplied you with a gift so you can return the gift back to him in the form of a supply. He gave it to you so you could give it back. He gave it to you so you could give it back. Not so you could hold on to it. Even with our money, sometimes we think, oh, someone gave me a bunch of money. It it came to me. My gift came to me. No, it was always intended to go through you. But you took it for yourself. And then we get in a place where we become so accustomed to what everybody knows us for. Our identity is in the gift. Our identity is not being a servant, our identity is in the gift. When the gift was always supposed to be given back in the form of the supply that we bring to this house. The gift does not define you. What you're gifted at is not who you are. It's what you bring. It's what you bring. Number two. So that one's my kingdom versus his kingdom. Number two, volunteer versus a servant. How many times have we heard, hey, we just want you to be a volunteer? I think that's wrong. Listen, he didn't tell us to be a volunteer. He asked us to serve. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says, hey, volunteer. I want you to volunteer. I've called you to volunteer. No, hey, I want you to be like me. I want you to serve. I want you to serve. Volunteers like to focus on their own role. When, where, and how to help is completely their choice. But servants are more more focused on what needs to be done. Big picture. Volunteers do what they desire. Servants do what God God desires. Volunteers use what time they have left to help. Volunteers make time to help. Our life How we live and how we die isn't judged by our talent and our good deeds. It's judged by how we serve. Just think about this. We've heard this before. When we get to heaven, there's going to be one one of two things that we're going to hear. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's not what we want to hear. The other is well done, good and faithful volunteer doesn't say that does it well done good and faithful servant enter in to the joy of your salvation well done good and faithful servant are you a volunteer or are you a servant now only you know that because that's a condition of your heart How many times have we gotten caught up in being a volunteer and not a servant? Number three is you're connected versus being committed. Connected people come and go. Committed people plant and stay. Connection says, this is a good church. Commitment says, this is my church. It's finding a family and discovering a purpose and pursuing a plan to give back. 
Are you committed or simply connected? If you've been in church, if you've been in this church for some amount of time, you have seen people come and go. And maybe you've even gotten a phone call from those people talking about, well, they just don't do this, and that church is full of this, and this is that, and blah, blah, blah. That church, that church, that church. It's, it's easy to be connected. It's easy to play the part. It's easy to come and go. It takes commitment to plant and stay. This is our church. This is the church. This is the kingdom. And sometimes we treat it as just a cheap drive-through meal that when you're done soaking up all of the energy, all of the life, and everything else, you put it back in the bag, you throw it away. It was never intended to be the disposable church. The church that when things don't go your way, when things don't happen the way you saw or what you think, because I'm a man of scripture, I know how this is supposed to go. Listen, if the church is off, then we need to correct it, okay? But it still doesn't change your attitude. Your attitude towards it could be, eh, I'll do it when I can. I'll help out when I can. You're not committed. There's a difference between connected and committed. Think about one thing, that if the church had, we could do anything. I mean anything. Think of the one thing that we can never have too much of. Just think about it. Money? No. Not money. Lights? No, it's not lights. People? That's a big one. No, it's not people. Bigger budgets? No, not bigger budgets. The one thing that the church would be limitless in what it's able to accomplish is heart. Is heart. Is the attitude of a servant. Now, Pastor Aaron, since the first meeting he ever had when he first got here, because we were, uh, we were inherited, um, we were here when he got here. The first meeting that he had, he told us this, and he said it several times, several, several times since then. Is there's, there's things I can help you with. I can help you with your walk with the Lord. I can help you in your marriage. I can help you with advice. I can help you with studying scripture and wisdom, giving just some wisdom and advice on things that we've gone through as a, you know, him and Pastor Diane to help you guys. But he said, there's one thing I can't help you with and I will never be able to help you with. That's completely up to you. And that's your own attitude. That's your attitude. Because that is solely up to you. Because on the outside, you can say, oh, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I love you. I love this church. It's funny because Judas did the same exact thing. On the outside, we have it all together. On the outside, it's, it's we the kingdom. It's we are the kingdom. We are the people. On the inside, my attitude is an outward expression 
of what my heart is holding. If we had heart, if we had people truly connected to the plans, the purpose of the church, not their own plans and desires, the church globally would be limitless. Limitless. The last one is able versus available. And I love this because the word able is actually in the word avail, able. Which means this, to avail means to help or to benefit. If you put those words together, it means this, able to be used or obtained. That you're able to help or benefit. Are you able but not available? There's a difference. Are you glad that Jesus just wasn't able? But he was available too. It'd look a lot different for me and you today if he says, God, I'm able. I know I'm able, but mm-mm. this is something I don't want to do. I, 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 not only do I not want to do it, I'm just not going to do it. Can you imagine what it would be like for me and you to have zero hope? Because destiny was riding on a man that wasn't only able, but he was available to go through with it. Are you open to help? Is there an open availability in your heart for God's house, or will you keep on living the way you want to? Listen, when we live the way we want, it cheapens the call of God on our life. It cheapens it. It is secondhand. It is secondhand. It is the gift without purpose. It's the call without a destiny. It's a call without influence. It cheapens what God has called us to be. This is how we release the supply chain in our lives, in our ministries, and in our church. You guys can go ahead and stand. I think one thing that we have to recognize today is that Jesus is the supplier, but we bring the supply. Jesus is the supplier. We bring the supply. You're not the supplier. Don't ever talk yourself into being the supplier of your supply. Someone come up to you, man, you, you do awesome at this. You're so good at this. Oh, I wish I just had a, a little bit of your talent. Oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I've worked really hard to get it. I'm glad you recognize my hard work. I remember being five years old in church and always having a desire to play drums. I was five years old. And one day the drummer didn't show up. And the pastor got up and said, well, we have Brother Shane here. I'd bring pencils and beat on the songbooks in the pew. 
why don't you come up here and play drums for us tonight? And I remember my mom, boy, you're going to get up there and you're going to play them drums. But it started a desire. At five years old, I was playing drums in church. Never took a lesson. I have never had a lesson for anything. God has given each and every one of us something. He hasn't called it to you. He's called it to go through you. And the very second that you take it on on your own is the very second he could take it. If you're not going to do it, I'll find somebody else to do it. Now, the call is irrevocable on your life. That means that call will always be there. But if you're not going to use it for my kingdom and you're going to glorify yourself, I'll find somebody else to take your place. Don't ever take a gift that God has given you and let it stop with you. Use it to bring glory to him. Use it to build people and to bring people to recognize not what you can do, but what God can do if you submit and you have a servant's heart. Albert Pike says this, what we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for others remains and is immortal. Everything that you're doing for yourself, that gift that God has put in you to lead worship, to play an instrument, to connect with people, to lead, when you use that for yourself, it will die the very moment that your your heart stops beating. But when you take those gifts and you use it to glorify God and you use it to build a church and you use it to bring strength to the body, that thing lives on and it's immortal. What you bring, what supply you bring has a destiny far beyond when your life stops. I'm the supply. He's the supplier. Being a servant, it'll cost you something. Following God will cost you something. It might cost you a couple relationships. It might cost you some convenience. It might cost you some time. It might cost you some money, some resources, some effort, some energy, some change. Change? Ooh, I don't like that word. You know, Mr. Spurlock, I think he's back there somewhere. He, there he is. Several years ago, he came and spoke to our staff. Something he said has stuck with me since. And that's this. Change will cost you something. It'll cost you something. But no change will cost you more. Following God will cost you something. Using your gift, your ability, your call as a supply in his house will cost you something. Making the decision to say, God, it's you above all, will cost you something. But choosing not to will cost you a lot more. It'll cost you a lot more. Today, our heart is God. If you can use anything, let it be me. Let it be me. Don't pass me by. 
Lord, let it be me. If I've got to be a little toe for a little bit, that's okay. I just want you to use me. I just want you to give me a gift because I have the desire to use it. And if that's taking a step towards serving, maybe you don't know what it is. I tell you, we look at serving, we look at our call as a destination, but it's a journey. It's a journey. Saying today, God, what do you have for me today? Not 10 years from now, what you want to be one day when you grow up. Today, what's in my book for today? Who can I help today? What can I do right now in this moment? He's called us to serve. How we do that here is we have starting point. Now that will come up. You'll hear about that. You can get signed up for that in the iPads in the foyer. But that's not what this sermon is about today. It's more than trying to get you to serve. It's more than looking for able bodies to be able to fill a position. It's for you to understand the why behind it. For your heart to be not that of a volunteer. For your heart not to be that of one that's seeking your own desire. But for your heart to be open to say, God, make me a servant. Humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. How can he build his church through you? Because it takes you to do it. Now, all of those things that we, we said... You know, it was my kingdom versus his kingdom, volunteer versus servant, connected versus commitment, able versus available. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you, if you mean this, I want you to repeat this after me. Say, I'm available, committed to be a servant for your kingdom. Say it again. I'm available. I'm committed to be a servant for your kingdom. I'm available, I'm committed to be a servant for your kingdom. As we sing this song, I want you to take a moment. I want you just to take inventory of your own heart. Are you serving your own kingdom? Is the supply chain in your life Is it backed up because of pride? There is a flow and a release that God wants to get in each and every one of us. And during this song, I want you just to to have a moment with God to say, Lord, if you can use anything, if you can use anything, you can use me.